From University of Puget Sound, it's What We Do, a weekly podcast about the innovators, teachers, dreamers, and performers of Puget Sound and the stories behind the work they do. Hello, welcome to What We Do. I'm Chuck Luce. The Posse Foundation is a national nonprofit organization headquartered in New York City that identifies public high school students of diverse backgrounds who show extraordinary academic and leadership potential, and then places them in support of multicultural teams, or posses, of 10 students at partner colleges across the country. In 2015, Puget Sound became Posse's first partner college in the Pacific Northwest, and the first to draw students from the Bay Area. Last fall, we welcomed our first Posse into the Puget Sound class of 2020. Recently, that group of 10 students joined by Posse facilitators, led a retreat for about 80 members of the campus community. They spent a weekend in workshops designed to talk about important national and campus issues surrounding education and race. My colleague, Sarah Stahl, sat down with two of the students who participated, Simone and Sam, to learn more. Thank you for joining us. Um, We're talking about the Posse Plus retreat that happened just a couple weekends ago, right? A couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, So first, Uh, Let's talk a little bit about yourselves. Uh, Simone, can you start? Tell us who you are, what year you are, where you're coming from. Yeah, so I'm Simone. I'm part of Posse. Um, I'm a first year, and I'm from San Francisco, but now I'm in Tacoma. (laughs) Consider yourself a Tacoman? (laughs) You know, I'm on my way there. (laughs) It's like slowly but surely winning me over. Slowly. It's your first year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the folks who have been around a little longer can yeah. tell you how to how to warm you up a little bit. Yeah, warm on you a little bit. <laughs> Great, thank you. Mm-hmm. And Sam? Yeah, uh, I'm Sam. Uh, I'm a senior this year. I'm from Palo Alto, California. I was asked to go on the posture retreat by Tim. I'm like blanking on his last name. You. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I've been here four years, but I don't know if I consider myself a Tacoma yet. I might have to actually buy a house first, and then I will. (laughs) That's fair. Well, so actually, you just touched on on something I think is really interesting. Um, The Posse Plus retreat is not just for Posse scholars. It's Mm. for... Who is it for? So, um, the purpose, or like the audience for the Posse Plus retreat, I guess, it's we, as a Posse, choose or invite people to come, and that's like across the campus community. So it could be students, faculty, anybody who even works on campus, like it could be even custodial staff if we wanted, Um, people who are part of the administration. It's kind of like a sweeping group of people that we try to bring in. So we have lots of different voices because the conversations that we want to have, we want them to kind of permeate like into the entire community, not just like one specific part. So Simone, were you a part of planning the retreat? No. Um, so Posse is kind of a huge thing. Um, they're national. Um, and our Posse on this campus is the first one. So we, like, executing it, we, like, we were part of that. Um, we were given certain, like, role assignments. So I presented on what the Posse Plus retreat was and, like, the history behind it. And a few other people, like, led, it, led activities and... Um, that was pretty much our role in it, but a lot of the people from, like, Posse headquarters do the planning of the actual 
event and then they ha- they send facilitators as well who have been trained to do specific facilitating for the posse plus retreats across the country great so then in determining who you invite from campus mm-hmm. um were you said hey submit three names or um did you were you a part of that process in, in deciding who to invite yes um so basically how it worked we're once again, since we're the only one, we all kind of had to reach out to a lot of people. Um, by the time we're seniors, it'll be f- about 48 or so of us on campus, so it'll be a lot easier to invite people. Um, so, like, our target number was around 100, and we tried to choose people from different groups. So, um, And we all did that based on who we knew on campus or who we kind of established relationships with. So... I am really close to a lot of people in the music building because I work there. Um, so I invited a lot of music people to go or people in my science classes because I'm also taking a lot of science classes. <laughs> so it was just really um, just professors I thought would be interested in discussing it or people I thought would have really interesting points of view to bring to the conversation or people who I thought would just want to listen to the discussion. and. I mean, we kind of encouraged everyone to participate, but some people did choose to just listen, and I think that that's valid, too, so. That, that is, that's really interesting that you could kind of be a part of this retreat and not necessarily um, actively participate, but just kind of soak it all in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sam, how, how did you get involved? Yeah, um, uh, my relationship to Tim Liu <laughs> is that uh, I was his pastors leader when he first came here. Um, and Tim and I are really friendly and always say hi to each other when we see each other um, throughout the first semester and into the second, but we never really like engage in too much conversation outside of the pastures uh, retreat itself. Um, and so when Tim asked me to go, I think it was maybe a week and a half before the pastures retreat actually started, which was later than a lot of other people were asked. And so I'll attribute that to this, the nature of Tim, um, <laughs> even though he's a wonderful guy. Um, and so I was going into the retreat not knowing like, at all what was going to happen. Um, my friend Megan Walter, who helped in a way like coordinate and facilitate the retreat, um, explained to me like what it was about and what was happening. And I talked to Tim about it as well. But otherwise, I, like a lot of other students that were asked, and faculty members as well, really went in pretty blind. Um, and I think that when we got there, we, when we arrived, there were maybe like five or six um, people from the Posse administration in the Bay Area that were there. And you could point them out right away because they were wearing t-shirts or they just looked older and you hadn't seen them before. Um, and then we also knew that like a lot of the Posse students sort of knew what was going on. And so it was sort of this weird dynamic where it was like, okay, these like 10 to 12 people understand exactly what's happening and then none of, uh, like the rest of us have actually absolutely no idea. Um, and in that way it was like a little bit sketchy because it's also a place that none of us had been to before um, so it was sort of like a leap of faith uh, especially since we knew at least some of us knew that the conversations that were going to happen might be in- uncomfortable in a way or we might not have had them before um, and depending perhaps on our identity or our place on campus or how we view ourselves and our relation to others we went in with sort of like different foundations um, for what our place would be in the conversations that were being had well, I mean, that sounds exactly like a pretty big leap of faith. What mm-hmm. prompted you to say, yes, I'll participate? You know, let's see. So I've been here four years now, and every year the conversations that have been taking place surrounding uh, race or identity um, or injustice or social justice on campus have changed, especially due to um, 
the activism provided by different student clubs and student leadership. Um, and this year especially, I've noticed that activism sort of take a foundation in the school um, and sort of begin to change things at a, not a systemic level or institutional level, but just in the way that um, perhaps the discussions are just happening more and they're happening in classrooms now, especially because of the current political climate. Um, and so I felt that as a graduating senior um, who did have a voice on this campus and as just a human being, it was my responsibility to sort of put myself into a place where I might be uncomfortable, but also where I might be able to learn something. Um, and I had done that before on campus, um, but perhaps not in this way and not with this group of people especially. Uh, and it's something that I wanted to do for a long time and there was my opportunity. So, so you arrive at this place, where was the retreat held? Fort Townsend. Fort Townsend. Po oh, Fort Townsend, okay, fort. so yeah. over. Did I say fort? Yeah. Sorry. Wait, I'm was that a fort? <laughs> you know. <laughs> fort Wayne? No, no, was it, was it fort or port? Port, Port Townsend, which is on the peninsula. Fort Townsend, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. yes. So away town. from campus. Yeah, yes. about two hours. Yeah, was it, was it good to get kind of off campus mm -hmm. and away to mm -hmm. a place? I mean, that's kind of part of it, like, we could have it on campus, but then it's kind of, it's supposed to take you out of your comfort zone, one, mm -hmm. but it's also supposed to kind of build a community, mm -hmm. um, and you can't really do that when you're still tied to a bunch of other things that are part of your community, so it's like, to get all, the, all of these people who don't necessarily know each other or interact, usually, um, the purpose of having it far away and in, like, a place that's it was really beautiful, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, but having it in, like, this scenic area that was supposed to represent, like, kind of what the Northwest means to Puget Sound and um, the students here, it kind of was just to build a sense of community that was and, like, a safe space for us to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. So take me through some of these conversations. I mean, this sounds like a pretty intense topic. The mm -hmm. topic of the weekend was us versus them. Mm -hmm. um, that's pretty heavy <laughs> so how, how did you get into these discussions what what sort of things happened at the retreat what well I mean going from the posse point of view um so just a quick background thing all of the scholars who go through posse um we have a pre-collegiate training um from the time that we are accepted into posse so we kind of have a, we have like a weekly meeting and we go through a bunch of exercises and activities and have discussions, which I now know, none of us knew this before <laughs> the retreat, but we now know that we've kind of been set up to be able to do this and facilitate it perfectly. <laughs> like, it's kind of funny. Um, but we would have kind of difficult conversations and take turns facilitating and listening, but also being able to contribute in a way that was not harmful, but like encouraged a safe space and for everyone to present their views, whether they went along with yours or not. So that was kind of the discussion I felt we had at the retreat, because it was kind of a larger scale version of what we had all been practicing. So were you in, I mean, was it all just in a room and sitting around big tables? I mean, well, I'm just <laughs> oh, curious, like, how, yeah, well, no, like, how, how did you kind of dig into this stuff? Is it, is that's, I think it's tough to sit at a table and say, so what do you think about race and division, you know, you know 
But so how yeah. so how does it work? So Posse has a little bit of an algorithm, <laughs> um, which I've now figured out. First, it's like we're gonna do a little warm up. It's gonna be fun. We're gonna get you giggling and physically warm and happy and kind of bonding with the people around you and loosen up. Then there's gonna be a follow up activity that's still gonna be fun, but it's gonna serve a certain purpose, which you will then dive into deeper afterward in the serious, more serious discussion. So. I mean, that was kind of, I don't know if that's how you kind of saw it too, mm-hmm. but that's kind of how everything repeated. And then we'd have breaks in between short. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I thought about it in such a technical way, although it makes sense <laughs> now that you say it, that that was exactly how it was like framed. And I'm glad that it was framed that way. Um, I think I sort of saw it as more of a place where we would have large group discussions um, in which people could voice their opinion and sort of step out of their comfort zones and sort of engage in this really, really broad dialogue of a very broad issue that was really serious and connected to the campus uh, in the larger national climate, but also like could be touched upon by a bunch of different people. Uh, and then I sort of saw those conversations sort of taken down a notch and like be made a little bit more, not like holistic, but... Um, like personable in the smaller group conversations. And so instead of just like seeing this person from across the room, cause we were in this big warehouse basically. We went from like the eight big group of 80 people or so mm-hmm. down to groups of like five to 10. Right. Um, and it was in those groups that you really started to sort of get to know one another and sort of uh, engage in conversations that weren't quite as uncomfortable, but more so just personable. Um, and it was in those conversations, I think that everybody felt themselves grow a little bit depending on what they were. So what kind of things did you learn or did you take away from this? I mean, did you, what did you learn about Puget Sound? Anything? Any mm-hmm. insights or? We definitely have different opinions on this just as a freshman and a senior. I feel like I had many takeaways, but as far as just Puget Sound is concerned, like our school, um, I don't know, coming in as a freshman and being new to everything and kind of seeing everything at the surface level that's kind of the, those are the ideas I've kind of been holding on to. So um, I was inviting people and a lot of people didn't want to go because they were like, this is a conversation I don't want to have. Mm -hmm. Or they were like, okay. And then they'd kind of flake a little bit. And I kind of had the notion like, oh, people just don't care. Like I had participated in a few like campus activism things and people said that they would go and then they didn't like I also recognize we're at school and we all have a billion and five things to do um but it's also like I just want to be around people who want to care and want Mm -hmm. to do things but once we got there I realized maybe I'm like looking at it the wrong way because it seems like there are a lot of people who do care and want to have these conversations and want to engage but don't I guess have like the microphone to do that like they aren't actually able to do that and the retreat kind of gave them the tools so it was easier so that was kind of a perspective change for me mm-hmm. yeah i think that that's really interesting sorry no but, um, go right ahead i think it's really interesting too <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i think that's really interesting um everybody has an opinion everybody wants their voice to be heard and everybody thinks that what they have to say on the matter is at least in some way right and I think that a lot of students on campus also believe that their opinion can be changed and that they have room to grow. Um, 
And so when you engage in discussions like these, um, especially ones surrounding like inequality and social justice on campus, um, because of the current climate and the climate that's existed for a very long time on most liberal arts small school campuses, um, it's not that people don't have something to say and they don't want to say something, it's rather that they don't have the motivation or the inspiration or the empowerment to go to the spaces where these conversations are being had. In my opinion, that's really the, as a, as a white male who's had a, like trouble engaging in these conversations on campus and it's gotten better at it over the years, the hardest part is to tell yourself to like go to these club meetings or to go and engage with like certain students who you know are participating in activism because you are afraid of saying something wrong or you are afraid of stepping outside of your com comfort zones and crossing a boundary into their bubble that they don't want you to cross perhaps. And so really the hardest part is taking that first step. And that was sort of the theme that was talked about mm -hmm. uh, at the retreat a lot too, was like not stepping over like the boundary, but getting right up next to it or something like that, mm -hmm. um, which I thought was appropriate. Um, and so by being asked to go to this, instead of having to do it on your own, it wasn't empowering, but it was motivating in the sense that um, being told to do something is a little bit different than like say, like telling yourself to do it. And so I think that maybe students who might not, not normally engage in these discussions on campus because they don't want to put themselves in those spaces, by being told to do so, you were taking the pressure off of them um, in the sense that if they made a mistake, it wasn't on them anymore. It was just because. You know what I mean? So instead of a, an invitation to participate in something like this, more of a, we're doing this. Exactly. And then, At least when then you the, got Then there. the pressure is kind of off you yeah. for having to take that initial certainly, step. Yeah. And so certainly it was on the students to say yes to the invitation in the mm -hmm. first place. But then when you got to the retreat itself, you really were sort of like not forced, but pushed in sort of the direction where you need to participate, you need to start saying something. And you don't have to force yourself to say everything, but at least push yourself a little bit, which I thought was really great and was handled really well by all the students and faculty. So I want to go back to something just that you mentioned a minute ago about um, this kind of the tools mm -hmm. to have these conversations. and Because to me, it seems like that's one of the things that we struggle with as a nation. Mm -hmm. um, that a lot of these conversations are being had or that we all have an opinion, yeah. but that we may not necessarily have the, the tools to really have the effective conversations, the conversations that bring us to a better understanding. Is that, how, how did that work in these discussion groups? Or, um, I mean, I know you said there's kind of the, the method of mm -hmm. loosening people up a little bit and, and then kind of progressively getting into a deeper conversation. But um, did maybe, I guess maybe a better question is, do you feel like you would be able to or would be inspired to have those conversations now on campus with other people mm -hmm. or elsewhere with other people? I mean, me being kind of the person that I am, I'm always, I'm <laughs> always down. <laughs> but um, I think the thing that Posse does really well is setting up an air of respect and emphasizing that not just listening, but active listening and response, but in a way that is thoughtful. Like that makes it so effective because like you said, a lot of people have opinions and want their opinions to be heard and feel that they're right. But, and you want to be validated. So that's part of the active listening, mm -hmm. but you also have to be able to look in on yourself and listen to somebody else and have your ideas challenged, not because 
someone wants to prove you wrong or that you need to prove yourself right, but so that you can heighten your understanding. So um, that's really, I think, what made it work so well is that everybody was really willing to listen and be receptive, even if something rubbed you the wrong way. um, A lot of people were open to it. Like, once again, it's like you step to the edge of your comfort zone. You don't step over it, but you're, like, right at the edge. And so I think that that was just really effective in getting the conversations going and having people be open to having those conversations as well. Mm-hmm. Um, going along with that, um, there were quite a few different workshops where you had to sort of place yourself like with whether or not you agree or disagree with, like, a certain issue. Or like where you stand on a certain issue and so you got to see firsthand sort of the differences in opinions that were in the group in the group that was there and what was interesting was that even though for the majority I think the people that went on this retreat were just naturally sort of perhaps receptive or were people that wanted to engage in these discussions so naturally you would think that they would all sort of have the same opinions perhaps or have the same stance on a certain issues especially when it comes to social justice or other issues happening within the natural or the national hemisphere um it was interesting to see that there was a divergence of opinions on many issues still because there are so many issues in the world to talk about um and so what was great was that we finally got to engage in discussions where like delicate topics were being brought being brought up but people weren't afraid to talk about them anymore i think that due to like various like maybe like PC cultures or college cultures on campus especially people are afraid to sort of like take a very direct stance mm-hmm. in something that they believe in and because of that you can't work through any issues and so um, I think that like stating your stance on something is the first step and then being receptive is the second and then it's through that sort of combination that you sort of become like a fuller human being, right? And you sort of learn things about yourself that you didn't realize were there before. I mean, and going along with that, <laughs> too. <laughs> Whoa, we're having a conversation. <laughs> uh, I think the, like, one other component to it was people being okay with not knowing or being open to saying, like, I don't know. Can you fill me in? Mm-hmm. Um So there was one, I mean, for me, this was a huge activity. Um, We had this thing called the fishbowl. So just to give you a quick visual, it's like in the center you have five chairs and a microphone. And then around that you have all of the rest of the chairs in in two circles just because we didn't have enough space. But it's it's like just um, kind of encircling the tinier circle. Um, So the people on the outside of the circle are tasked to just listen they can't respond it's like completely silent no snapping if you agree no (laughs) like there's no response you just have to listen um and one of the facilitators would call out some like a group that you could identify with so um say women of color and five people from the outer circle would choose themselves to step inside of the fishbowl and they'd have a conversation. So a question would be posed 
and they would respond to it but as if they're having a conversation that was kind of the goal so that they could speak openly and freely about what they wanted so that you could kind of avoid that I'm stepping on eggshells trying to talk about this so I don't offend anyone it's more so like what do I actually feel right now because I'm surrounded by a small community of people who feel the same way that I do maybe or identify at least the same way that I do so the women of color um group was an actual group and I was part of that and it was just it was incredibly interesting um there were other groups um that were called up it was the there was like an administrative and faculty and uh professor group there was so a, not necessarily all culturally <coughs> based or anything like that no um there was various groups mm-hmm. right there was uh what was it first generation just simply that so it could be pretty much anything that fits into that and then there was also the if you identify as white category um so i just thought that that was probably the most impactful exercise we had that whole weekend it was incredible to just hear people like and i think the best part about it was if you disagreed with something somebody said you couldn't actively be like excuse me wait a second and like kind of shut them down one or um you couldn't respond and then have them alter their their idea and then to make it suitable for you so you just had to take their comment or whatever right opinion for what it was in the moment but it also was like a moment where you could reflect why do i feel this way what's making me think this or respond this way and how do I go, like, where do I go from here? That sounds like an extraordinarily powerful mm-hmm. exercise. Mm-hmm. Did you have any kind of reaction like that, too? One that you kind of took away is, wow, this one. Mm. Yeah, the fishbowl was interesting because, <clears throat> one, I think a lot of students and faculty members were really, really exhausted that night mm-hmm. because we had done, like, eight hours of workshops that day with, like, a short break in between. Um, and so it was just like, just like a lot of discussion, a lot of like heavy topics being thrown up in the air all throughout the day. And so everyone was sort of like emotionally and mentally ready for bed. But I think that was really important because um, I didn't participate in the fishbowl, but listening in, especially to students who perhaps I might have been intimidated by or faculty members that I might have been intimidated by in the past. Um, just because I thought they were really intellectual or just, you know, for some reason like that. Um, it was really nice to hear just an open conversation because people were, like, fumbling with their words and were having a hard time describing how they were feeling. And to me, that was really important because it was something that I always felt when having these conversations and never really thought about from the perspective of another person, especially a person who I thought would easily roll through all the questions, you know? And so it really, to me, humanized those individuals who I was perhaps intimidated to talk to and made it much easier to talk to them post-retreat, which was really great. Um, I think that it would be something that would be really important for a lot of different students on campus, for sure. So yeah, our experiences were definitely very different and the way that we came into it was very different. But in the end, both of us, uh, you know, had mutually beneficial mm-hmm. reactions. So you you mentioned earlier, Sam, that um, there wasn't really a whole lot of time to kind of debrief as a group at the retreat because 
you know, you, you go in on Friday, right? Friday afternoon, mm-hmm. you leave on Sunday afternoon, it's kind of packed yeah. the whole weekend, right? So how is it coming off of a retreat like that that's hugely taxing and emotionally and intellectually and mentally? I mean, is it, do you feel different coming out of a retreat like that? Is it, are you, have you just not processed it yet? <laughs> are you worried about midterms? <laughs> I mean, have you noticed anything? Yeah, I, um, it's funny, when I got back from the retreat, I would just be like running into people here and there, and then I went straight home, but ran to my housemates there. Every time I'd run into somebody, they would say, oh, how's your weekend? Oh, it was great, I went to this past retreat. Oh, I heard about that, how was it? And then I just like wouldn't know what to say. It was just like, <laughs> one, because I was totally exhausted and pretty wet and like ready for a shower, but also just because there was so much packed into the weekend. And I was like just so emotionally overcome by what I heard and what I engaged in and just like what I thought about the situations that were brought up all throughout the weekend that I, yeah, I just did not know what to say. And even now have like trouble explaining like my emotions, mostly because I think that they aren't fully developed because it was only three days. But the, the thing I can say with the most confidence is that I'm maybe not more confident, but much more comfortable putting myself out there and saying something that might be perhaps like offensive or something that someone might disagree with for the sake of engaging in the conversation and presenting my own opinion, because my opinion matters, hopefully. And um, that was really important. Um, and has made a difference in the conversations that I've had over the past couple of weeks. Really, so you've seen it even an effect just in the past couple of weeks? Or yeah, I think that by like pushing yourself and putting yourself into a situation where you can make a mistake, in return, you receive sort of like, a, in a way, self-confidence. Like you receive a boost of confidence from that experience, right? And that happens with anything, whether you're if you're like snowboarding and you're about to hit this jump. Even if you like totally F up the jump, like at least you did it, right? And then the next time around, you know a little bit better what to do. And every time you do it, you get a little better and better. And so it just pushes you in the right direction in the end. Have you noticed something similar or different? I mean, coming out of the retreat. Especially having a different perspective as a Posse Scholar, being a part of conversations like this maybe more often. Mm -hmm. I mean, I definitely have these conversations very often, Mm. um, just because that's part of Posse. Um, But I am less afraid to bring them into other settings now. Mm. And... I like to challenge people's ideas and challenge people's thinking because I feel like it can really, I mean, it can help me grow and help others grow as well. Um, And there's nothing better than mutual growth. (laughs) (laughs) But um, after the Posse retreat, I just, I felt closer to UPS, like in like the campus community. like, I don't really know how to explain it, really, but I just felt like these are people who want to engage and are open to talking and having discussions and becoming better people together, and I love that. And it's not just the students, but it's the faculty. Um, because I think for me, the biggest thing was that I saw all of the professors and the faculty that were there not as, like, doctors and like Mr. and Mrs. or whatever like they're like oh hey Tyler like (laughs) they're actual people Mm -hmm. that you're talking to like we're humans having a sorry (laughs) we are humans having a discussion (laughs) so I I now feel a lot closer and feel like I can speak to people 
more, I mean, about issues like this or other ones that may come up or just being friendly and saying, hey. So <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. Um, gosh, I mean, thinking just about what's next, um, where do you think these conversations will take you or take us as a campus community or how do, how do we, where do we go from here? I think that the, I don't know, maybe I'm making this up because it makes sense to me, (laughs) but I feel like the lack of debriefing at the retreat is supposed to be kind of weird like that so that when we come back, we have to talk about it. Like I felt like I just needed to speak to someone, (laughs) but I had like no one to go to and it's like, so who, who do I talk to? And I found some people from the retreat getting food and I was like, hey, (laughs) and like wanted to talk about it. Their friends were there. So we all talked about it and it was just really casual. And I think that that's kind of how it's supposed to happen. I mean, you can't just be like, okay, so now we're all going to have this workshop um, on campus and we're all going to talk about it. Because it's like, okay, then you're just within the workshop and the conversations only happen within a workshop or within a formal setting that's like constructed. It's like, no, it's supposed to be loose. You're supposed to be able to have these conversations with other people. Mm -hmm. So I feel like logistically, even as we get more posses on campus and continue to have these discussions, they'll just get bigger and bigger. I mean, at least that's my hope. Mm-hmm. And be organic. It seems exactly. Like maybe so intentional or mm-hmm. facilitated. I mean, because a lot of the conversations that we do have that may be more difficult or um, may have to do with more controversial issues happen within a, like a structured setting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's a really great point. And I think that um, it is one of the main reasons why... Um, talking about these issues on campus hasn't become more uh, of like a condition for most students and hasn't become more normalized. Um, uh, it's so interesting. Um, I think that as students, the ways in which we engage in these conversations is very dependent upon, upon who we're hanging out with and who our mm-hmm. friends are. Um, because we can be forced to talk about these things in classroom settings um, or in lecture halls or in workshops or any set space. But really, the things that stick with us the most are what our friends are saying and what our families are saying and the people that we look up to. Um, And so the more that we can make them organic, like you said, Sarah, or natural or fun, the better it's going to be and the more engaging those conversations are going to be. Um, Yeah, they're supposed to be fun. They're not supposed to be, like, (laughs) nerve-wracking or, um, like, anxiety-ridden or... um, they're not like supposed to put you out there. They're, they're supposed to make you feel more human, right? Mm-hmm. And right now that's not what's happening. And so mm-hmm. it is on the people who went to the retreat or people who are comfortable engaging in these conversations to push their friends into places where they can become more comfortable as well, which is something that's hard to do, but also something that just has to happen because it's not going to happen any other way. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to add on, aside from all of the super serious dense conversation that we've had there was so much fun going on like we had a no talent talent show um where my chemistry professor whose nickname is now professor swole um basically i mean because he did a push-up with his hands and his toes that was crazy like, he Wait. lifted his entire body. Yeah, he didn't bend his arms, <laughs> he didn't bend his arms or his knees. So he used his toes and his hands to, like, 
lift his entire body cool. up. It was incredible. Yeah, we wow. did line dances. Okay. Also, Simone led a line dance. Me and Brittany in admissions right. got everybody to do the wobble. What is the wobble? <laughs> it's so much fun. We decided because everybody was pooped. And I mean, maybe it's just my own personal opinion because once again, I'm new here. I don't ever see anybody hyped up on this campus for anything that's not like super sports related mm-hmm. or like, like I just, you don't see people like, <laughs> so we were like, how can we get people like hyped up? Having fun, because we've just had, like, a billion-hour day mm-hmm. talking about really serious things. What do we do? And we're like, the wobble. So, by the way, that's, like, a new tradition. Um, but anyways, um, we were able to get pretty much everybody dancing, yeah. like, just to have fun. And then at the very end of the retreat, we had um, this thing called taps. We all sat in a circle. We had our eyes closed. Yeah. And... Um, there were like six different groups and everybody would get up and there would be a prompt and be like, tap the person who you think is beautiful or tap the person that you feel touched you. Tap the person you think has changed your life. And it's like you go around and these people, when you're sitting there, you feel so appreciated by these people who are strangers pretty much. Like, I mean, you've grown together in like the span of three days, but you feel like an overwhelming amount of support and being the person giving people taps is so incredible because it's like I don't even know your name but you are incredible and I want you to know it there are so many beautiful moments like that as well that is really important to think about uh, you know when you're talking about having these more casual and and organic conversations that it is it is meant to be um, something that brings people together which I find just really interesting that the theme and the topic of this whole weekend was us versus them. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things you're coming away with is how humanizing and personable and um, bridge building and, you know, and connecting this can actually be these conversations that could be divisive can actually be. Right. Right, Yeah. Who is us and who is them in the end? Right. Right. It's all depends on perspective. Mm -hmm. And that certainly came out retreat and hopefully it will in the future as well. I want to say thank you to Simone and Sam who so openly and eloquently shared their experiences from the Posse Plus retreat. During our conversation, I was struck by their candor and the thoughtfulness they demonstrated, not only during the weekend, but in re-experiencing the weekend with us. Their willingness to engage in exercises and interactions that could be unpleasant or uncomfortable and to be present in that discomfort, and yet still remain open to discovery, recognizing the potential for growth and understanding, it reminded me of the importance of what we do here at Puget Sound. In a world where we're more likely to gravitate toward people who already agree with us and consume media that already aligns with our beliefs, exposure to multiple perspectives and meaningful engagement with those perspectives, placing ourselves outside our comfort zones, seeking connection and seeing interconnectedness, whether across disciplines or borders or genders or political beliefs, it opens doors and it opens eyes. Sam and Simone talked about the value of self-reflection, of being unafraid of saying, I don't know, of having the courage to allow our beliefs to be challenged, all in service of coming to a better understanding of ourselves, our classmates, our community, and our world. I left our conversation energized and inspired and proud to be a part 
of the Puget Sound community. What We Do is brought to you by University of Puget Sound. Join us next Wednesday for another story about what we do at Puget Sound. And if you liked this podcast, rate us on iTunes.